and welcome back to the Peerless Review, the podcast where we talk about the science behind the shit you care about. My name is Brina. My name is Kira. And this week we're talking all about the science behind music, specifically streaming uh, streaming platforms. Woohoo, I'm so excited for this one. Yeah, I have to say that the articles that were found this week are really good and I'm really excited to talk about them. <laughs> Well, before we get into talking, first of all, what are you drinking tonight, Brina? I'm very interested. Tonight I am drinking, uh, this is grapefruit juice with gin. (laughs) Oh, I see how it is. That's Mm -hmm. a good combination. Thank you. We're recording on St. Patty's Day, so it's like a little bit green looking. Close enough, it counts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now I won't pinch you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm drinking a Montucky cold snack because I'm a dad. (laughs) honestly those are one of my favorite like go-to beers Mm -hmm. yeah it's a good size too it's a healthy healthy size beer (laughs) it's a solid ski beer oh I I have never drank in while I skied but maybe I should start mom don't hear this (laughs) (laughs) it uh makes you a lot more confident for sure I believe that okay I have a request of you ahead of our discussion topic today which is like streaming platforms and things like that will you so you know that how spotify puts out like your on repeat playlist which is like your heaviest rotation songs like every couple of days so please give our listeners one recommendation off that playlist um okay one of the songs that i've been listening to on repeat recently is love letters by mauve it's i don't know it's a bop I'm into it. And it's, so it's on, like up, it's on this playlist. Yeah, it's it's like a it's a chill song with some bass to it a little bit, but it's not like an EDM song. I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like you're in a constant <laughs> crisis over whether you like EDM or not. I do like EDM. I just don't want to admit that I like EDM. <laughs> yes, here I am <laughs> admitting for everyone. <laughs> you and the rest of the world. I think it just makes our monkey brains happy. Yeah, it does. A little beep boop. <laughs> beep boop music. Exactly. I was kind of torn over whether or not to <laughs> recommend a BTS song, and I decided on not because of something more important, which is the mm. Twilight soundtrack. Yes. <laughs> um, so I wanted to put back on your radar the sound, the song Flightless Bird, American Mouth by Iron and Wine off of this, the Twilight soundtrack. I love Iron and Wine. Mm-hmm. just like so mellow not not sad um but it's been raining here a lot and also I, I have uh daylight savings depression so that's mm. been my go-to this week that is a good song great recommendation mm-hmm. god we have taste <laughs> <laughs> i mean twilight that's all you need to know mm-hmm. case closed but it's so easy to think about your music taste in terms of just yourself. But when we were doing the research for this week, I think we were both really, it's, it's crazy to think about all of the humans on the planet that are listening, like to just Spotify alone right now. Yeah. And so there are 144 million users on Spotify, which is, I mean, I guess not that much when you look at the entire population of the earth, but that's still a lot of people. 
And Apple mm-hmm. Music up is up there with uh, about half that. They have 72 million users. Sorry, Apple. You can't, can't be as good as Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spotify has 70 million songs on its database, and new songs are added at a rate of 60,000 songs per day. Per day. I would love I would love to know if that's slowing down at all, because I, they definitely have gotten better about adding songs from like the 80s, the 70s, the 60s. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't really know how much new music is generated per year, which would be an important factor in that. Yeah, like I wonder how many, how much of that is independent artists putting out their own tracks. Right, yeah, like us. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're letting anybody on the Spotify these days. Stream us on Spotify and Apple Music. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, and I, I know from like my Spotify rap playlist, like I listened to about 80,000 minutes of music last year. So I really live my life with that app. Um, and I know some people are like ride or die for Apple music, which is also like, <laughs> I respect that, I guess. <laughs> Pandora continues to make each station more personalized through continuous feedback. So they take what you say and put it into this ongoing algorithm that they have. And this all has to do it's also based off of genre and and all of that. And basically the difference is, while Pandora's Music Genome Project treats the cultural mapping of music as kind of a distortion, Spotify's Discover Weekly treats it as further insight on you as a user. Um, so some of the genes that Pandora includes are the gender of the lead vocalist, the tempo of the chorus, the level of distortion on the electric guitar, the type of background vocals, et cetera. Etc. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this uh, information is coming to us um, from this article, Nothing Personal, Algorithmic Individuation on Music Streaming Platforms by Robert Prey, published in 2018. Um, and one thing he had said was that, I thought this was a good example. It's like Christian rock and regular rock sound very similar. So Pandora may, you know, just as an example, may recommend both of those to you, but Spotify knows that the listeners of those two different types of songs are like completely distinct. So it wouldn't do that. I think that's a good example of how it works. Yeah, that's a great example. And getting right into Spotify, (laughs) Spotify's algorithm after reading about it kind of scares the shit out of me. (laughs) Because uh, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty confident that my Spotify is connected to my Facebook because they have that login option. And as I'll talk about in a second, one of the things they do is they look at social media presence um, and how it relates to music. So knowing that my Facebook is connected to that, I'm like, what kind of insight do you guys do you guys have on me? I mean, not that I use Facebook, but still. Mm-hmm. You have to imagine they have like a whole profile built on. I mean, if not you specifically, then like your type. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or like our parents or you know, people that do use Facebook a lot that may also have streaming services, things like Mm -hmm. that. So in 2014, Spotify bought out Echo Nest and Echo Nest analyzes online conversations about music through blog posts, music reviews, tweets, and all social media. And they compound this with music data on what you're listening to, all of that, to map the entire world of music. Then they then map your individual music through a music space to create your taste profile. So they are not only looking at what kind of music you're directly listening to, but also what that music relates to in terms of politics, likability, 
the social scene, all of that, and that influences what they recommend to you. And Discover Weekly pulls all songs from Spotify and user created playlists, and they prioritize Spotify created playlists and users with large followings that make playlists. Um, they find songs that you haven't heard, and then they filter those songs. They filter those songs through your taste profile that I had just talked about to give you those recommendations. Mm -hmm. I had a question for you. Do you find that your Spotify Discover Weekly playlist is pretty on par with what you like to listen to, or do you find that it kind of falls flat? Um, I've had pretty eclectic tastes lately. Um, I do find that it, it recommends me good stuff, but it's, I think it's hit or miss, but I know people that listen to it like every week religiously and are always finding new good stuff off of it. Um, but like, I like, you know, listening to like 80s rock. I'm going to sound like I think I'm so special, but I, I listen to like Batchet Crazy, like BTS, and then I listen to Steely Dan. And so sometimes it just doesn't know what to do with me, I feel like. <laughs> That's a similar experience to me. I Well, for a long time, I only listened to the music I really knew that I liked, which was honestly a lot of music from the 80s and like a few pop hits and then like my emo phase in high school. And in the last mm -hmm. like six months or so, I've started to get into music overall and really start listening to a variety of artists. And I am finding that my Spotify weekly playlist is getting like a little bit better, but I'm definitely like not as obsessed with it as like a lot of people I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely such a good starting point. And there's also so many other features that Spotify has that really make it like, it's a, it's almost like a social media app for me. I just love looking at other people's playlists and for any song, you can like create a radio based off of that song. So I love it. Yeah. It, I mean, it's basically you, because you have that radio option, it's like Pandora within something that you're already playing or paying for. Mm -hmm. Which, Yeah, exactly. I'm curious if that's pulled Pandora users to Spotify. I wonder if there's any data on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd have to imagine. I feel like every young person I know uses like an app where you can make your own playlists. Um, but I, from what I was reading online, um, Spotify uses like one of three ways to like collect data to like inform its machine learning algorithms. Um, and machine learning is, <laughs> nobody, I feel like, understands how it works unless you do this for a living. But you basically are training your algorithm to make certain decisions based on certain factors. And you have to decide how important those factors are to, like, the algorithm. And then it will do it, make its own, like, decision tree and, like, spit out uh, results. But uh, so there's something called collaborative filtering, which is what we were talking about, where other users make playlists, you click on a song, you click on an artist, and that adds weight to that, that song. Um, but there's also, so natural language processing, and this is something that Spotify does, like we were talking about monitoring the culture. So if Pitchfork releases a review of an album, or if there's like a lot of hype about a song on Twitter or TikTok, for example, like that will allow it to be picked up by the Spotify algorithm. It's really interesting. And one of the articles we read this week, they also mentioned that, I believe it was Spotify, will essentially put you in a race or ethnic, like they may yeah. think that you're Hispanic or something based off the music 
you listen to, and they will put you in that subset in their backend data based off of what you're listening to. And if all of a sudden, I don't know, maybe you're listening to Katy Perry for a week straight, they might move that data to change it to be something else. But that's another aspect of data that they have on the back end of their platform, regardless if it's completely accurate or not. Right. And I think that's an interesting example of how these algorithms can be totally fallible because your music listening habits are like constantly changing. And like, just because I listened to Megan the Stallion for a week doesn't mean that I'm a stallion. Um, It just means that she has really good music. (laughs) Um, But one of the more objective ways that they're trying to like predict um, like song popularity is um, audio models. So if you know, and you can use like computer sampling to like figure this out. If you know like the BPM of a song and then like the key that it's in and also like the lyrics, you can predict like the, the genre the tone like if it's happy or sad um and that's what they do for like lesser known songs I think which makes a lot of sense um and there's websites like um there's a website called tunebat.com that uses the Spotify API pulls all that data and then it'll give you like the danceability and then like the mood of the song which is cool interesting I didn't know that I I always look up like running playlists based off of beats per minute, which you can find Spotify playlists on where they break it down via that. But I hadn't thought of that aspect about it. Mm -hmm. That just made me think of the office episode um, where they're soon staying alive. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, you can't tell by the way. (laughs) I have a quick tangent about that really quickly. So you know how in that scene, Dwight like cuts off the face of the CPR dummy. Um, yeah, and sticks his tongue through it. Yes, I learned the other day, I'm going to try to do this as quickly as possible. There used to be a French morgue that would hang the dead bodies outside for people to identify. And this was like a go-to activity. Everybody would like go and look at the dead bodies to see if they knew anybody. And at one point there was this woman who the, what are the people that run morgues called? Morticians. Morticians. (laughs) The mortician found her so stunning that he made an exact replica of her face before she like started to decompose and it like became really famous and everyone became obsessed with this woman's face and she actually became the first face of CPR dummies or one of the first faces of CPR dummies. Wow. Well, humans have been weird forever. That just goes to show you. (laughs) (laughs) But now I can't watch that scene of The Office without thinking about that. Awesome. Uh, Anyways, um, back to Spotify algorithms. (laughs) So yeah, so they do all of these tools to recommend you better songs um, because Spotify is like highly incentivized to get you to like keep clicking. Um, And you know, in a way, it it works for everybody theoretically. And I I'm not like you know a musician. I would love to know what like a musician's take on this would be because. If you think about it, you have to figure out how to pay every artist whose song or every like label whose song is on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about like getting millions of streams translating to thousands or millions of dollars, but from like probably billions of data points. So um, they do this with using blockchain, which is like basically microtransactions that are um like obscured so you can't see their origin or where they're going to so you can't like hack it 
um, and, and make it so that like you, you know, you say you have more clicks than you do. Um, but I thought that was interesting because I don't often think about the back end of like the artists getting paid directly from Spotify. Definitely. And I have heard a lot about how Spotify doesn't pay artists enough and it's becoming more and more difficult to make it as a musician because streaming platforms only pay you a few cents per stream. And mm-hmm. it ends up, you end up, unless you're a really famous artist, you end up making less money than you would by just selling albums. But of course, there's not a market anymore to sell albums. It's, I mean, there is, but it's significantly smaller. You're not going to be able to make a right. career off of only selling albums on CDs or mm-hmm. by actually buying music anymore. And that becomes... yeah that skews the whole market because it makes it really difficult for independent or small artists to make it and focuses more on big artists that already have a lot of following. And just one more thing I wanted to say on top of that is that Spotify doesn't show you all music all the time. They show you a percentage of it basically so that you don't get choice fatigue of being like, oh my God, there's so many options. What do I pick? So they only Mm -hmm. show you a percentage of what's available but of course they're going to show you all major artists and you can still find anything if you search for it. But I imagine that that also slows small and independent artists down because they're less likely to come up in popular playlists in searches, things like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Unless you're putting out like the shape of you, um, (laughs) you know, something that gets like that many listens, which the playlist on Spotify, of songs over 1 billion streams. Do you want to guess how many songs are on it? Oh, um, 20. 122, actually. Oh, damn, okay. Um, And there were, like, 10 added this week. So, like, you know, like, Cake by the Ocean. um, Mm -hmm. uh, Let's see. I'm Yours by Jason Mraz just got added. Um, So, I guess... Probably. (laughs) I feel like like TikTok runs everything... But, it kind of um, does. Um, <laughs> I did read that Shape of You is the most streamed song on Spotify of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has, yeah, it has 2.7 billion streams. That's a lot. That's Yeah, and at half... least, go ahead, sorry. And at least 1 billion of those are for me. So that's really makes you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's a lot. And so you're going to be making good money off of that. <laughs> For sure. I mean, Ed Sheeran's like low-key retired now. He's just vibing with his baby and his wife, I think. Mm-hmm. Last I checked in. Hey, good for him. Well, moving into the second part of what we wanted to talk about today. I mean, it goes into what we were just talking about with independent artists and stream revenue is uh, capitalism and streaming services. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the fuck capitalism portion of the evening. <laughs> I feel like every week we mention at least once that we hate capitalism, but mm-hmm. this week you get a longer portion about how much mm-hmm. capitalism sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so we talked about like how incentivized Spotify is to enable its create enable its users to like click these songs and show them songs that they like, and it's like a cyclic process. Yeah, and. Something that I want to note is that for almost 20 years, the internet developed outside of the market economy. Like when we are growing up, you could find basically whatever you wanted on the internet, but it wasn't like patrolled. 
we had MySpace for a long time, which was free and had its own music within it. And you could illegally download music very easily. I mean, you could basically Google how to illegally download music and it would give you a website that you then like put in the YouTube URL of and like that was it. And so for a while, people were able to access so many things and especially music without, with it being significantly less tied to capitalism. And yeah, I, um, I read from one of our articles that I'll cite in a second, like you go from basically something, a phenomenon that is impacting your profit margin. So I also, this made me think of like the medical marijuana industry, but basically mm. you have people illegally, illegally like torrenting songs and then you get into prohibition. So you try to make that like illegal and crack down on it. And you try to bring, you know, authorities in to enforce it, but that doesn't work because <laughs> young people will always be better at illegally downloading shit <laughs> than you are at trying to stop it. Yeah. Um, and so then you just, and then, you know, you have to, capitalism is forced then just monetize that phenomenon. So, you know, now medical or recreational marijuana is legalized and now, you know, you have Spotify because people were illegally downloading and that wasn't okay because it was taking away profits from these huge record companies. Exactly. And specifically, like people didn't want to pay 99 cents or a dollar and 29 cents for each song, especially if they maybe only wanted to hear it once or twice. And from my memory, I, I remember knowing about Pandora before I knew about Spotify. And I put off paying for that shit for years. And like I mentioned earlier, my parents still refuse to. They buy their songs for $1.29 because they're like, <laughs> I don't buy more than five songs a month. So it's not worth it for me to pay for Spotify, mm -hmm. which makes sense. And how it's changed now is now you are paying essentially to like rent the music. You don't own the song anymore. You're borrowing it for a certain amount of time before you either never listen to it again or don't listen to it for a while. Mm -hmm. And maybe that is a good thing, you know? Like, I think it is better for artists, you could argue. Um, I listen to a huge range of music, but it also has its negative consequences. Definitely. And it, it also has the potential to really westernize music. I mean, it's something we see in all over the world right now is the westernization of less capitalistic places and generally the world as a whole. And one of the articles we read this week, and as always, this will be linked in the notes, but they mentioned that, let me take a step back. This article was based out of Mexico. So they were talking about people in Mexico where now 80% of people get their music from a streaming service. And they talked about how there becomes a lot of westernization and focus on music that doesn't necessarily originate in Mexico or Mexican culture. And there's a lack of having a community that's built around that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow, I haven't even thought of that, but yeah. I mean, music is such a deeply cultural phenomenon and like maybe that's also part of the 60,000 songs that are added every day. Like I really hope there's a push to have like smaller cultures represented. Yeah. With capitalism, it just becomes more and more difficult because the idea of capitalism is great, right? Like the idea that you can create whatever you want and potentially make a living or make money off of it sounds really good. 
But what ends up happening is even though they're technically illegal, we create monopolies. And once monopolies have this level mm -hmm. of power, they can control exactly what you see and it's harder to get away from it. So 10 years ago, I'm sure there were a bunch of streaming platforms that were all kind of competing to get where Spotify and Apple Music are today. But now if either Spotify or Apple Music make a big decision and the other one joins on, that's kind of it. You, you can't really fight that. You can't leave to go somewhere else. We see that this happen with Netflix. Netflix started off as a platform where you could pay $5 a month to see movies so you didn't have to pay for cable. And now there is so much control over what you see on Netflix and you're kind of stuck into paying for it or paying for additional streaming platforms. It takes away the control from the user and puts it into the company. One of our articles mm -hmm. mentioned that the Spotify CEO is seen as like the most influential man in music. And I, I think that's mm -hmm. a good point. Yeah. And you can get into like, so if I'm a big time record label producer and I want to make money, I'm not going to invest my resources in finding some indie, you know, a hundred followers, like, small time per, like musician because that's not really what's going to guarantee me you know return on my my investment you're going to want to get something that's a sure deal so that's when you get into like engineering artists mm -hmm. and engineering songs so um one of the papers we found for this week called uh it's by park et al uh, it's a nature paper they talk about the preference that humans have um for like types of songs um throughout the day and throughout the year and it's, it's a diurnal phenomenon, which means like you have different patterns like for day and night. Um, and they found that like humans are more likely to listen to like more upbeat, more energetic songs at, in summer, like when the days are longer. And also during like the evening period, like after 3 p.m. Um, and that makes perfect sense. So it's like, that's just one example of if you find some metric that you can tune and you know a certain artist is really popular, you will say, I'm gonna write a song that's gonna tick all these boxes, make me millions of dollars. And I mean, that's just another example of like, <laughs> capitalism is like lazy and you, they, you yes. just wanna get the most profits for like the least amount of you know investment because you wanna maximize your profit margin. So it's not really increasing creativity if you're just thinking about it in terms of like <laughs> statistics, you know? Absolutely. That's a great point. And going off of that, that we're seeing the same thing with advertisers, which is something I wanted to bring up before we finish here. Um, Spotify and all streaming platforms, I'm sure, but they work directly with advertisers now because of this sense. How do I explain this? We have the sense of individualism with our music, with our lives. You know, we're all individuals, but we can all fall into a multitude of groups. And advertisers are now learning that and they are partnering with Spotify and other streaming platforms. And there are three ones that I was going to mention Bacardi, Gatorade, and Bose. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Boise? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Bose. Um, they were one of the biggest brands paying for branded moments with Spotify. And this means that they put their label or their name within Spotify playlists. 
So Bacardi has control or not has control. Bacardi is a part of party playlists and they have specifically identified nine different types of party people. And they have produced ads specifically for each group. I'm going to read off a couple of the groups because I thought they were kind of funny. They had brave shirts, glow gals, and last train sprinters. And they... <laughs> And this was data that they gathered in part from Spotify and based off of people's listening agreements where, you know, they got their brand onto those party playlists. So when you're, you search party and Spotify, a picture of Bacardi comes up, you're at the liquor store, you're like, maybe I should get some Bacardi. Gatorade did the same thing with workout playlists and Bose did the same thing with chill playlists. And that gets into advertising that we as consumers can't escape even though we don't pay for ads within, you know, it's the whole reason we pay for Spotify so that we don't have to listen to ads. We are still being exposed to it and they're becoming sneakier about it every year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think the main takeaway I would encourage for our listeners is think about like the privacy and the security of your data and who that data is available to. And think about if you're happy about that. Like, I think we you know, get comfortable with it being shared because maybe it makes our user experience better, but like yeah. a cost, you know, you might think that like, <laughs> if you're listening to the driver's license song at 2am <laughs> on a Saturday, like maybe you don't give a shit that Spotify knows you're a deeply depressed individual. But um, I think they're, they're getting a lot w- and not giving quite as much in return. So I think that's a serious problem that we're going to have to contend with without the U.S. government, because clearly they can't legislate any of this oh stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> clearly not at all. And, I mean, we saw some legislation passed with that recently where now every website, you have to agree to their cookies. But cookies is mm. just such a nice word. You're not thinking about the fact that every single website you've been on has some sort of user profile of data that they've collected on you, whether it's your race or your age or specific interests you have. And mm-hmm. all of that can be stored and it can could potentially be used against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not a great thing to think about. And it's kind of the basis of every dystopian novel ever, but. <laughs> but we don't have time to get into all that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it is something to just be conscious of. And as we get more and more individualized products, it's important to be aware mm-hmm. of what, what are we giving up in order to have those things? And is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Yep. But God damn it, I really do love Spotify so much. <laughs> Spotify- Every time they add a new feature, oh my gosh. <laughs> Spotify, please don't take us off your streaming platform just because we talked some shit. We promise we still like you. I'm still paying for you. I want to be a Spotify influencer so bad. Please give us a DM feature. (laughs) That would be incredible. Are you good at making Mm -hmm. playlists? Brina, I am very good at making playlists. Mm -hmm. This is one thing that I, that I know for certain, um, you feel free to follow me maybe i'll link my spotify on our instagram page or something yeah plug yourself I, I could spend all day um <laughs> well my user number is <laughs> that's like the easiest way to find people it's actually very hard to search for like individuals on spotify that's one way that's one reason i'm not an influencer yet yet um, being the keyword yet um, but I have some good playlists for like when you feel like you're the main character 
when you're really sad, um, when you just want to dance to like songs from 2015. Yes. Yeah. One of the like three Spotify playlists I've made is just 2007 throwbacks. That's honestly so arguably the best powerful ability. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything is just 303 and Katy Perry and (laughs) yeah. Well, Kira, outside of Spotify, where can people find us? Um, so on Instagram, we are at the Peerless Review. Um, on Twitter, we are at the Peerless Review underscore. And I am at Freckles, etc. So Freckles ETC on Instagram. What about you? I am on Instagram as Brina.ka. That's B-R-I-E-N-N-A. Yep. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening. Drop us a comment, like, follow. Let us know what you think. We love making these. Let us know what your uh, favorite song is right now. Thanks so much, guys.